Hey there, thanks for listening in. This is episode 16 of the science fiction novel Engines Under Ursus, written and narrated by Martin Brady. This week's episode is called Heaven and Earth. Podsafe music is provided by George Wood, performing Proteus. Okay, so let's get back to the story. Previously on Engines Under Ursus. Okay, smarted. You're like a dog that's been kicked too hard. You growl at anyone who comes near you offering help. Kay's face showed her frustration. This is a completely different situation. Can't you see that? Is it? The father was unconvinced. I was nearly buried alive on Ursus. I take that very personally. Look, just trust me for a change. The father said nothing and walked on frowning as the rain dripped down his face. Fowler and Kay returned to CityNet. Fowler wondered if he could trust Professor Ashat. He had grown to trust Kay, but questioned if she had been taken in by the Professor. He decided not to think too much more about the Professor until their next meeting concentrating on solving the problems at hand in CityNet. Messages had been appearing on his phone about the deteriorating situation in the financial sector. The Entech infestation continued to spread throughout the CityNet servers. Now it was time to go into CityNet itself and witness the online infestation. Kay brought Fowler into her office. There was another door off her room which led to the access room that she frequently used to jack into CityNet. There were three reclining chairs lined up in a row, and a flat desk above which floated a holographic console displaying the CityNet logo. Kay logged into the station and started up the holographic server that would give them access to CityNet. How old is your CityNet implant? asked Kay. Fowler seemed distracted and took a moment to reply. Uh, A little over three years. I had just upgraded it before I was arrested. Okay, can you activate it? she asked. Sure. Fowler paused for a moment, taking a deep breath, and blinked rapidly five times. A head-up display dropped down in front of his visual field, generated by the implant. Immediately, it began communicating wirelessly with Kay's server. The implant spoke up. A CityNet server hosted by Kay Brunner is requesting access. Shall I authorize? asked the voice of the implant. Fowler froze where he was, unable to speak. His pulse was up, and he was beginning to sweat. Fowler? asked Kay, noting there was no connection. Is there a problem with your implant? No, replied Fowler. His head dropped and he looked away. Um, I'm not sure I can do this, Kay. What do you mean? He took a deep breath. I'm not sure I can go back in. Why not? wondered Kay. Is it to do with your Entex? Are they preventing you? The Fowler shook his head and Kay walked over to him. And Fowler's face and hands were clamming. His pulse was up. There was tension written all over his face. Kay frowned. I don't understand. We, we have to do this, Fowler. That's why we're here. The Fowler sighed. I know, it's... 
It just feels like I'm going back into the tank, that's all. I, I have this terrible feeling of dread like I won't be able to get out again. Of course you will, smiled Kay. It's my server. She put her hand on his shoulder. I know I'm being irrational, but I, I can't help it. His breath was coming in sharp intakes. Kay sat Fowler down, wanting to get to the heart of the problem. So what was it like in the tank? I, d I don't really want to talk about it, replied Fowler, wanting to put it behind him. Come on, Tom, we need to talk about this. How long were you left under? A couple of days at a time. Longest was a week. A week? exclaimed Kay. There was a human limit of four hours on Citynet before the servers dropped the members out, forcing them to take a break. Exceptions were made, but rarely. That's inhuman, she commented. Oh, I was in jail, Kay. I lost a lot of my rights there. It's still inhuman, insisted Kay. Well, a lot of people wouldn't agree with you, commented Fowler. This was one of the punishments. So how did you eat and drink? She wondered. Uh, they hooked me up to food and waste tubes. The liquid I was placed in was breathable, and I was jacked in for pretty much the entire time I was there. The fluid also prevented pressure sores. Each prisoner is placed in their own tank, and they're sealed in from the outside. It makes life pretty easy for the guards. Mostly you find yourself underwater in complete darkness when you jack out. If you're lucky enough, you might get some light to watch while they prepare to take you out. There's a small viewing window they sometimes use. Sometimes they use the tank for sensory deprivation if you step out of line. Fowler remembered the dim blue light filtering in through the plate viewer before he was taken out to exercise for a couple of hours. By the time he had recovered, he was placed in the tank again. The routine had lasted three years. Near the end, he learned to loathe being jacked in feeling like it was almost like his life had been stolen from him. "'We have to do this, Tom. People are already asking questions,' said Kay. "'I know. Just, uh, just give me a minute.' Fowler closed his eyes and tried to think of something positive. He thought about the happier moments in his life, when CityNet had been a good place to work at. Eventually he opened his eyes, feeling slightly calmer, and sat down on one of the chairs— choosing to enter as himself and not use an avatar. Kay saw Fowler's vitals were all over the place. His heart rate and blood pressure were higher than they should have been. Deep breaths, Tom, advised Kay. Fowler nodded and began to relax a little. Kay nodded. Good, she said as his vitals settled. She walked over to the chair beside Tom and sat on it. Werner Square, see you by the fountains she said, knowing how beautiful they were, and jacked in. Her eyes closed and she was under. Yeah, see you there, said Fowler, jacking in. The door to the access room they were in was automatically sealed, and a red light turned on, indicating that they were online. There were hundreds of thousands of life forms flooding out into the arrivals hall, located directly under Werner's Square. Fowler suddenly appeared inside one of the many narrow, oval-shaped arrival rooms, having just jacked in. There was a wall behind him, and he stepped off the circular arrivals disc, 
which pulsed with red light when he arrived. An overhead arrow urged him to move forward. Welcome to CityNet. Please follow the arrows to the exit. Please enjoy your stay, Tom Fowler, said the familiar system voice. As he stepped forward, another person appeared behind him. There were thousands of other arrival rooms, and they were all busy. They were embedded in an underground, circular hall whose diameter was over three miles wide. The precise diameter was pi by the initial designers, who had liked the idea and it had stuck. Some people were using avatars, others were arriving as themselves. The fellow kept moving forward, looking at the wide, circular steps in the distance, leading out and upwards into the sunlight. The arrivals hall was festooned with signs, offering the different trips on offer for the CityNet tourist. Fowler found a little space to stop and survey this part of CityNet once more. It was busier than he had remembered it. If Erstel was Earth, then CityNet was the closest thing to heaven he knew. Franz Werner's initial design had been clear from the outset. CityNet was not just a copy of reality. It was an enhanced version of reality. Here, you could do anything you wanted, and it would be safe and private. You could fly or change your form. You could be alien or human, or use an exotic avatar, whatever you wanted. However, you couldn't do the same things everywhere. In the arrivals hall, flying was not permitted. Invisibility was not permitted in the financial sector or living areas. Everything was possible, but different sectors permitted different skills. In the game sector, you were allowed the skills allied with the game in question. Werner Square was surrounded by the commercial hub and the other world's exhibits. There were vast shopping areas to the north, and entertainment was to the west. School kids were arriving here to go on day trips in the interactive museums, where they could stroll with dinosaurs or examine ancient pre-warp Earth civilizations. Fowler noticed the many different types of aliens leaving the exit halls. There were more than he had remembered, and some he did not recognize. Human businessmen also arrived, heading to the financial sector, many with their business cards displayed above their heads so they could be picked up immediately. Erstel was the veritable tip of a virtual iceberg. Billions of life forms, both human and aliens, were using the CityNet servers to go about their daily tasks, many times more than those living on Erstel itself. The new Halo world under construction would allow them to settle closer to the heart of this virtual world. Most of the land had already been signed up for by the large corporations, looking to make a financial killing online. CityNet equaled profit, pure and simple. From the outset, Franz Werner had ensured that the service was a safe place to be. Any attempt to harm another individual within CityNet was immediately detected by the servers and the offender removed from the system. The offenders were either permanently banned or fined. Identity theft had been the number one problem at the service, and they had spent billions each year tracking down and imprisoning criminals before the new Entech problem had emerged. There were also hackers who sought their way online, using Trojan horses to steal important information or dupe members to give away their private details. However, the amount of theft was less than outside in the real world, and it had become a safe place for different life forms to conduct business. Many species had even conducted first contact with humans here and later traded with those same lifeforms here. In CityNet it was possible to experience some pain, but it was limited and closely monitored by the servers. Exceptions were made for the gaming and general sports arenas. It was possible to eat and drink here too. Although a person did not physically consume food or drink, their servers were designed to stimulate cortical activity, which mirrored the sensation of having eaten or being full.
Even the consumption of alcohol provided a moderate sensation of giddiness, but that was capped by the servers. The ability to eat online had led to a diet craze, which included people on certain diets eating large meals in CityNet, knowing there were zero calories. The CityNet had also become so good for business that Erstel's stock exchange had located here, and had become a major hope for many virtual companies, which had no physical presence outside it. Buildings were bought and sold here for real money. Through it all, CityNet took a percentage of everything that happened. All a person or alien had to do to get online was to have a cortical implant, which CityNet provided for free in the form of a powdered drink, and which used technology which was similar to, but not the same as that used by the Antex. Within 24 hours the implant was built and the person could go online. The connection was wireless and required no ugly implants on the skin. To remove the implant it required the user to take another drink and it was gone within another 24 hour period. The ease of use of the service had been one of the major reasons for the rapid service adoption. Franz Werner had opened up CityNet so that others could build their services online with little or no help from them and it was a boon for new creative companies seeking niche markets. Still, it continued to grow even while Fowler had languished in the tank. The period of excitement about the service was over, but the growth still continued unabated. Fowler felt his anxiety lift a little, and recalled how it had all been fifteen years ago, with Franz Werner's dream and some of his earth fortune. The thronging crowds all around him faded away, and he remembered the past. The signs indicating all the new services disappeared, reverting back to what they had looked like at the very beginning. The arrivals hall had been all but empty then, apart from a few senior members of CityNet staff and some eager reporters present for the official launch of the new service. A feller had been with Franz that day and recalled how it had been one of the best moments of his life. Franz Werner was a natural-born salesman. He had gathered the press corps around the centerpiece of the square, which was a magnificent set of fountains which were modelled on the Greek legends. As with everything, it was an enhanced reality. The creatures in the water actually swam, and Neptune was alive, holding his trident, looking around him as exotic fish spouted water in different waterfall patterns. Franz had used the fountains as a backdrop for his podium where he stood with the local dignitaries, and cut a piece of tape which turned into white doves once it was cut. Franz had come to Erstel almost a year before with his Earth Billions on a public mission, to build a service which would be the envy of the universe. France had made billions on Earth in the booming Eurozone economies and had mixed adventure with business, breaking world records while simultaneously publicizing his empire of tech and media businesses. He had publicly married the supermodel Sarah Saluso. Once married, she had retired and bore him a single daughter, Sandra Werner. After this, she spent much of her time doing humanitarian work with France on Earth and on the fledgling Earth colonies where hardship for many was a reality. They had achieved a unique blend of celebrity and unparalleled business success, which made them almost royal. Then, one fateful day, it all ended when the war broke out with the Ixians. Sarah had been on board a cruiser which had been targeted by Ixian missiles. She died along with all the other crew. During the war, Franz became a recluse, and many wondered what had happened to him. After the war, he made a surprise announcement he was going to sell up all his business interests and go to a small colony he had once stopped over in called Erstel, where he would start over. Many believed he had simply lost his mind. They feared the grief of losing his wife had unbalanced him mentally. He left Sandra behind in a Swiss finishing school and travelled out to Erstel, which at the time was nothing more than a pit stop for a variety of alien vessels to refuel and restock their supplies. 
The only thing Arstel had in its favour was its location and its political setup. It had belonged to neither side, nor did it want to. Even during the war it had remained in neutral and disinterested in the war. It was an oasis of normality, and it had been the place that his wife had desperately been trying to get to before she had died. The eclectic mix of aliens which met the Earth billionaire did not know what to make of him when he first arrived. Some showed up out of curiosity as he arrived with his moderately sized entourage of human helpers. As soon as he arrived, he immediately began to spend his money on promoting understanding between the various aliens, creating a museum of natural history, and immediately improving the transportation system for everyone. No favour was shown to one side or the other. The Erstolians, who were a ragtag mix of aliens, took him into their various alien hearts, and he announced his intentions to build a cyberspace service called CityNet in the heart of downtown Erstol, near the large Ixian settlement. The Ixians were unsure what to make of this unusual human, but stood and looked on as they also benefited economically. Franz had only hired the best, and he located Tom Fowler working on a dig on Ursus, which had all but run out of funds. He had understood Tom's technical skills immediately after interviewing him, and phoned him repeatedly until he took the position with CityNet. It had taken a year to build the surface, and now that it was out of its beta phase, he stood proudly as he sold the concept to the press, who had become admirers of his selfless work. I believe that this is the best cyberspace experience in the universe, explained Franz. We've worked very hard on making the experience feel authentic, compelling and very real. Additionally, I believe that our unique registration process, which is wireless, will ensure that there is no complex surgery required for different species. We have already support for over 125 species. We also believe that our service can offer whatever a user desires. Franz lifted his arms and a series of giant screens appeared above him, which offered live windows into the different arenas. Finance, gaming, sports, shopping, other worlds, entertainment, education. We will have unrivaled content. Many of the screens said, coming soon. Presently, we have over 100,000 beta users, 70% of whom are non-human, and our feedback has been very positive. Glitching has been effectively eliminated on our servers, unlike our competitors, and we take the safety and privacy of all our users very seriously. The reporters lifted their hands, and Franz took a question. Do you have any plans to list on the stock exchange? I'm very glad you asked, smiled Franz. Yes, within six months we will be applying for a listing on the Ustal Stock Exchange initially. Under the new charter, I will ensure that no more than 25% of the company remains in human hands. I want CineNet to be a service for all intelligent life. This stock offering will take a lot of my time to prepare, and so it is time for an organizational announcement. I will no longer have the joint roles of Chief Technology Officer and Chief Executive Officer. It is an appropriate time, in my opinion, to make such an announcement. Ever since I established this company, many of those I have worked with have worked tirelessly on their assigned tasks, but one individual has shone out amongst all the others for his tireless attention to detail and dedication. 
Fowler stood beside a thin Mesler, who seemed buoyed by the comment. Mirsky was there, too, with Walt and Jacobs. Mesler had been one of the first hires along with Fowler, and looked up with hope. For this reason, I am announcing the immediate promotion of Tom Fowler to CTO of CityNet. I will continue to work as CEO of CityNet. Mirsky, Walt, and Jacobs clapped Tom on the back, knowing the promotion to be well-deserved. Mesler feigned a smile, but there was hurt in his eyes. Tom, come on, join me. Don't be shy. Fowler smiled and joined Franz on the podium. Since joining our team, Tom has pioneered the registration process which we have patented and ensured that the servers are running as smooth as we all witnessed today. Many of you may not know that Tom almost did not join us and required some convincing. He was looking for a higher calling. Franz tapped Fowler on the shoulder. I think doubling the bonus also helped me reconsider, joked Tom, taking the edge off Franz's comment. Now, if you experience any problems with the service, do not redirect the issues to me. Tom is now your point of contact. The reporters laughed and took some photos of the two men standing together. Fowler stood down off the podium. Another reporter asked a question. Franz, are you going to participate in the Mars Rift Valley Rally this year? Franz smiled. I shall be there most definitely now that my world record has been broken. I want to get it back. He continued to take more questions. Fowler rejoined the crowd and stood beside Franz's daughter, Sandra, who had recently arrived from Earth. She was wearing a couture dress and designer shoes. Her precise dress sense clashed with the casual clothes of those around her. Sandra looked precocious and affected by her own presence. She stood among the others, and yet apart from them. Even when her father smiled and joked, she showed little emotion. Many of the other co-workers had commented on how unlike her father she was. Others wondered if the loss of her mother had damaged her emotionally. Fowler decided to strike up some conversation with the 18-year-old, who seemed oblivious to everyone around her. "'You must be very proud of your father. He's a great man,' said Fowler. Sandra did not even look his way, but kept staring forward, as if her personal space had been grossly invaded. Fowler raised his eyebrows and looked away. "'A very great man indeed,' he commented, smiling, watching the way he worked the reporters. Sandra spoke without looking at Fowler. "'I'm not in the habit of speaking to the hard help, Mr. Fowler. Please remember your place.' However, Fowler smiled, unable to take the teenager seriously. "'Are you always this bossy?' he asked. Sandra looked at Fowler coldly. "'Some day all this will be mine, Mr. Fowler, and then I will be your boss. Don't forget that. Now fetch me another drink like a good fellow and be quick about it.' Fowler noticed that Franz had caught sight of their conversation, and he glanced over, not wanting to create an incident— at such an important time, Fowler took her glass and went to refill it. She was the only blot on an otherwise perfect day. Fowler received stock options in CityNet, which turned him into a millionaire many times over within the year, once the company had floated on the stock exchange. After that, it had all read like a fairy tale. The company gained hundreds of millions of subscribers. Under France's leadership, the innovations came as new channels and forms of entertainment were imagined and made real. 
For ten years, CityNet could do no wrong. Billions poured into CityNet's state-of-the-art cortical simulators, and once automaton-like guides developed real personality and attitude to match that of any living person, and in many cases outperformed them. Eventually, no one could tell the difference. The dying people took up a CityNet service promoted by France to be reborn on the service once their bodies expired. A family tried to sue CityNet, but interviewed both the dying man and the reborn person, and could not tell the difference between the two. It had made headlines across the sector. Reborn humans and aliens walked alongside the living in CityNet. Walkie-talkie androids also allowed those in CityNet to walk the streets of Erstal as tourists. The two worlds merged into one, and the profits rolled in on both sides. People and aliens alike took day trips to Erstal just to get online and try out the service they had heard so much about. Then all the innovations ended with France's untimely death during an off-world rally. Nothing had changed in CityNet visibly for the users, and yet everything changed for Fowler. Sandra took over the day-to-day running of the company, and there was a management reshuffle. Delcast took over as vice president, having been hired in as a new appointment, and the feud between himself and Fowler took hold. What had once been a happy and carefree place to work and innovate became a place of spies and political intrigue, as managers were forced to take sides or be cast aside. Sandra did not concern herself with the infighting between the managers. The numbers on the service were good, and she stayed cold and aloof, not bothering herself with the petty grievances of the staff as she saw it. Fowler remembered the surprise knock on his door, and the guards who had come to arrest him. Fowler snapped out of his reverie. He was back in the crowded arrivals area again. Kay was calling him, and he answered. "'Are you feeling okay?' she asked, wondering what was taking him so long. "'Yeah, yeah, much better now,' he replied. "'Just getting my bearings. See you in a minute.' He looked around him before he began to move forward towards the steps. All of CityNet had once been under his control, and now it was gone like a beautiful memory. He wondered what would become of this place if the Antech problem spiralled out of control. Would it fall like some great ancient empire, and all that would be left on the servers were echoes of the past and Antech markings?'